here and ain't no wannabes here With some not so nice advice for your writing career To be clear, no punches will be pulled But the punch may be spiked How they like before they get on the mic To my left we got the mighty Mer Lafferty And if I piss her off, believe me, she'll come after me And her co-host Matt Evan Wallace On the right, yes she may be half as hype But she can take him in a fight So settle in folks, buckle in and boot up Time to meddle in a way to make your writer shut up It's hard work, but the perk is that it's fun and exciting Facebook will still be there when you're done writing Ditch Diggers! This is Ditch Diggers, number I don't remember because I didn't look it up, and it's been a long time since we've done it, but it is the podcast for writing as a business, because just like surgeons don't get surgeon uh, block and ditch diggers don't get ditch digger block, we can't afford writer's block if you actually want to make a living doing this. My usual co-host is Matt Wallace, but Matt is not here right now, and so I got my good friend Chuck Wendig to stand in. Hi, Hi. Chuck. Hello. Hello. Thank you for being here and helping me oh, out. Yeah, as, as I was saying uh, earlier, I, I feel like I'm an inferior Matt, but I'll do my best. No, you're you're just you're you're the best, Chuck. Well, there you go. Thank you. It's I don't, I don't even think any of us can can be judged on a Matt scale. It's just no, that's true. I mean, yeah, the Matt Mer energy is on its own cosmic wavelength, and you know that just exists out there. Yeah. You but, you know, it. I'm very, very lucky that I have a lot of people who have agreed to step in and be um, substitute Matt or pseudo Matt or which pseudo Matt. Uh, is that what you'd like to be? Yeah, I'll be pseudo Matt. Okay. I feel like that's good. That feels sci fi in a way. Like, sure. Would you like me to replace your uh, guest host Chuck Wendig with guest host pseudo Matt? Because I can do that. I got the I got the technology. Chuck, quote unquote, pseudo Matt Wendig. I'll take that. That okay. sounds that sounds like my Twitch stream handle, even though that's not- <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I just have to figure out which one it was. Anyway, so uh, even though you're much, much, much famouser than I am, why don't you tell people what you do just in case somebody in my audience has heard of me and not you? Oh, yeah. I, I'm sure that's they know who you are. I don't know if they know who I am. Uh, I'm Chuck Wendig. I write too many books. I should stop probably at this point. Uh, I've, done, I've done enough. I've done too much. Um, I've written everything from the Mary Black books to Star Wars. Um, my last book out was Wanderers, except for uh, yesterday I had a new book out um, called You Can Do Anything Magic Skeleton. So um, I'm, all, I'm in the internets. I live, I live there, and I shouldn't. I should get out of the internets, but that's, that's me. Yay, yes, and your um, Magic Skeleton. We have... Uh... Did not get a copy in time, but uh, you did send me the cover, which I didn't put on the Twitch thing because, again, I'm doing a great job keeping up with it's stuff. Fine. But it exists on the internet. People want to see it. They they it know how to does. work. It's are, just that we don't need to hand feed everybody. They're not baby birds. You know but what I mean? Natalie's but. art is awesome. Oh, uh, it is awesome. Natalie's art is amazing. In fact, it's really the reason to buy that book. Yeah, Natalie uh, Metzger is an old good friend of mine, long-time knower through podcasting, and then she's like this devious... I'm trying to think of a good word for her that doesn't sound terrible, but considering all the terrible things she draws, I don't mm-hmm. think there's anything we can say that would offend her, because I keep, I think of her as like a, like a slime that like forces its way in somewhere, and you don't actually realize it until like a huge crack appears in the wall. 
That's sure. that's what she does because it's like, oh, she's my very quiet friend, Natalie. She doesn't talk, speak up a lot in in, in groups, and she's soft spoken. And then she's doing a book with John Scalzi, and then it's like, wait, what? And then she's doing a book with you, and she draw she you know. As somebody who's always been underestimated because people assume I'm far younger than I am, and they always have thought that, um, you know, it's, it's, I sympathize with her, but uh, Natalie draws some pretty fucked up shit. Yeah, and, and she that was the great so, thing about having her on the book. Yeah, and she is so it, nice and so sweet and so soft-spoken, and then she'll be over yeah. in the corner sketching, and then you'll see what she's sketching, and it's horrifying. Yeah, but um, sometimes, like, horrifying, and it still has that core of sweetness and yeah. kindness like mm-hmm. yeah that's the, that's the really the gift it's not just like weird dark creepy edgelord stuff it's like wow that's like a, a, an exploding person but it's sort of cartoony fun like i, yeah. I want to hug it yeah I, I seem to remember i can't even remember what we did to bring it up it was something it it was you it was cockwaffle oh cockwaffle do you remember cockwaffle natalie drew cockwaffle did she really? I don't yes, she did. Gosh, <laughs> it might have been. In, it might have been in something she showed me in person. But Natalie drew cockwaffle. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Natalie is very awesome and quiet and draws some fucked up shit. And now she's doing some really cool illustrated books with some big time people. She really is. It's so wonderful. tell us about the book. Uh, the book. Yeah, it was like. Um... I don't know if you heard anything about it, but the last four years were terrible. I'm not sure if you were, there was this guy who was president who was terrible and there was a pandemic and that was no fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, a lot of people were doing sort of affirmations and motivations and, uh, you know, Maggie Smith and uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda were doing these sort of, you know, get up and go kind of things morning and evening. And uh, I was like, I don't want to do that. I want to, like, because it felt like you get on Twitter or social media and you just be like, it's very angry. And I don't mean, like, unjustifiably angry. Like, you, it was reasonable to want to punch your phone into a sparking uh, brick. But uh, I also didn't want to feel that way all the time. And so, you know, I thought I'm going to do my own affirmations. But I couldn't really do one of those affirmations without getting halfway through and starting to make it just weird. Just, like, not, not right. And uh, that was more fun for me to do it that way. And uh, somewhere out of there, I would do it every day. And I did it every day for a year or more. And um, saw a Je- a Jessica Fuller from Rizzoli um, pinged me and was like, do you want these in a book with art? And I said, oh, what? Yeah, of course I do. That's a terrible idea, but I want to do it. <laughs> and um, I don't know why you'd want to do it, but if you're asking me, I would like to do that. And uh, she gave me, you know, obviously a pick of an artist, and it felt like I had only one pick, really. I was like, I don't know how you wouldn't want Natalie to do this book. It's, yeah. it, it, her art is almost exactly that. Like It kind of takes a normal thing and then just keeps twisting it until it's broken and strange. Uh, so I felt like it lined really right up, and thankfully Natalie said yes. And then next thing I knew, there was art coming in, and we were sort of... They had already compiled the tweets, and we were editing those down just to sort of make sure the language didn't feel quite like they were tweets all the time. Yeah. Uh, and now it's out, and it exists, and people have it. And that's just a weird... Just like it, my life is weird, and that's just one of those examples of how it's weird. But it's awesome. I can't wait to get my copy because it's. I, I love your your writing and your. You've got a voice on your social media and your blog that is uh, unique. And sometimes I feel like if it doesn't matter how it, it's 
I'm going to try this again. <laughs> it's a it's a skill that not every fiction writer has. And it's like I, I'm online and I have been online and I'm sort of active. And I'm proud of the sure. stuff that I'm proud of the fiction that I write. But sure. I do not have that online charisma with blogging and tweeting that you do. And uh, I just I've always admired that about you. Well, thank you. I, I mean, I, it came, I think it came from, in part, I ran a BBS for many years. Like, mm-hmm. back pre-internet, internet. Yeah, like my, I remember. Internet yeah. in my house. Like, my parents set up a phone in my room to be like, you can talk to your stupid school friends now. And I'm like, no, I'm going to plug it into my computer and let random stuff. <laughs> so I was like, I just, I was like doing a, like a training montage for the inevitable internet experience. Um, and so I think I, I honed a little bit of that voice there because, you know, being the, the size off of multiple iterations of, of the bulletin board, it was like I had to deal with randos and strangers and sort of present information in a fun and interesting way while also still, you know, it was still the written word. Um, so it was like Twitter before Twitter was Twitter. Yeah. Well, um, first I want to talk about the fact that we have heard from Matt. Matt is not dead. Matt is still involved with that's, this that's podcast. What, did you kill him and this is just your way of being like, Matt is not dead, wink, wink, and then he's dead. You just, it's like you just had to hang the lampshade on it right away. You can well, even, like, like let that tension build. Aren't you a writer? No, I don't want to, you know, I just want people to know. I don't want people you're just to like, see. oh, you're going to see the sixth sense. He's dead the whole time, you know. I'm a truth teller. That's all yeah. Some people like <laughs> Some people like them. They're like, they, it enhances the experience. So, spoiler, I think Matt has perished. Mm. Spoiler, America. Matt's dead. Well, spoiler, this is the postcard I just got from Matt. Quote, unquote, Matt. Hello, Murr and Chuck. How are you? I am fine. My sabbatical has taken me far from the worlds of people and their ceaselessly self-destructive ways. I am currently living amongst the wolverine packs of the Alaskan wilderness. Or rather near them as wolverines are steadfastly committed to and deeply conscientious about social distancing. They have a very strong opinions on how their... Uh, no, that's me that added the A in there. They mm-hmm. also have very strong opinions about how their image and culture have been co-opted by cards and Magic the Gathering. Like, really strong opinions. They talk about it a lot. It's actually getting a little repetitive and kind of annoying, but they are wise creatures. I mean, I think they are. I'm still waiting to be gifted with their Wolverine wisdom. Any day now. Hopefully. Anyway, wish you were both here. I miss the Ditch Diggers audience and look forward to returning soon. Hugs and kisses, Matt. Uh, P.S. Dictated, not read. That is the note from Matt. He misses us all. Very good. Very good. Um, Did you catch his... um... His Twitter thread about his adventures in grocery store madness. Did you see that? Unfortunately, no. I'm not. This is this is the bad side of trying to to save your mental health by yeah. stepping away from Twitter. Is like sometimes your friends will have full adventures yeah. and talk about it on Twitter, and then you won't hear about it because in their head they've already told you. Yeah, despite so, having no. I don't want to spoil yeah. too much, but no, spoil this. I'm ready. Oh, oh, yeah, he he was I guess trying to make. Food and it was uh, yeah. You know, I'll, I'll get out of the buildup. He ended up in a grocery store at like five thirty, six o'clock in the morning, and he had already touched hot peppers. And in the store, he touched his eye with his hot pepper hand. Oh, and no. then he was like, "This will be fine. Everything will be fine." And it, did, it was not fine, and his eyes started to swell up. And then I, he went into a bathroom, but he got milk, and he brought the milk into the bathroom and couldn't open the milk, and then stabbed the milk open and got milk all over his shirt and had to take his shirt off in the bathroom just as someone's knocking on the door to be like, sir, are you all right? It's a good story. Uh, I was literally afraid by the end of it he was going to be like, and I'm in jail, so here's my go. 
<laughs> I was like, this is gonna this is gonna end up uh, in some some bad situations. It's gonna be a Publishers Weekly story about mm-hmm. this writer. Uh, I think he made out of it okay though. No, I think that might reach BuzzFeed actually. Yeah, it and should. Then, it should be a BuzzFeed thing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he he's stabbing milk in grocery stores and learning Wolverine wisdom in Alaska. So that's how Matt's doing. Um, want to say hi to the chat. Thank you to Fire Rider, Christian Writing, and Will Ralston for telling me about my audio issues. Um, hey, Dave, I don't think I've seen you around. It's good to see you. And uh, let's see. We got Indigo Quill and Sario. Sario says, hello, Mer, and hello, Chuck. Chuck has many voices in his writing, says Dave. The online voice, the voice in the Miriam Black series, and the voice in Wanderers are all different in tone, all in a good way. That's neat. Thank you, Dave. Matt's doing better than Frigg's daughter. Hello, Burr, Chuck, and all. Hello. Well, Ahoy. Ahoy. Well, um, I think what I wanted to do, besides the fact that I haven't talked to you in a long time, and that's it's just a wow. damn shame. It Every is. once in a while we'll text, but we don't actually sit down and talk. Is No. Um, I... I I think it's important to hear how people dealt with the last year. Mm, Partly, yeah. <laughs> but mostly because this is, it's one of my, I, I wish I could memorize the, the, the title because it's so perfectly worded. But um, there's an Onion article that came out last year about Aryan Man who is surprised that uh, local, that, that the worldwide pandemic devastation existential horror has not allowed him to write that book he finally thought he would (laughs) yeah it's it's a lot better worded than that but essentially everyone thought well i'm gonna be home all the time now i can do all those things and those of us whose job it is to do all those things couldn't do all those things no and actually there were some who could and they were like i've been so productive during this time like you go to hell (laughs) yeah i mean (laughs) i'm gonna come there and cough on you Yeah, yeah, so that's, it's, I mean, good, but also not. I mean, how dare you? Ben went, I think it's Ben Winters. He wrote The Last Policeman, right? Oh, you're uh, right. That's... He had, I haven't looked at, I haven't, I haven't read it yet, but there's an audible thing that's like four pandemic stories that came out last spring. Like, mm-hmm. lockdown happened. This guy wrote four stories and sold it to Audible about the pandemic. And I'm like, wow, what the hell? You, you, I, we're not friends. I've never met you. Yeah. And like you're I a lot cooler you. than I am, but we're yeah. not friends anymore. Mm-mm. 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 How, no. Seriously, how, how dare. How dare. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I know we've chatted about it beforehand. Was it, oh, thank you, Indigo Quill. Yes, um, I'll read the proper one. Man not sure why he thought most psychologically taxing situation of his life would be the thing to make him productive. <laughs> <laughs> yes that's, that's, the, that's the writing problem in a nutshell isn't it it's like, yeah am i not more productive in this horrific time thank you indigo quill yes the link is in the chat anybody who wants to look at it um so yeah it's i had the the just couldn't write thing and i don't even know where the days went last year and yeah yeah, yeah it was weird like i you know, I was also in kind of an interstitial place in my career anyway, like just before uh, the pandemic happened, uh, maybe in January, February, something like that. Um, my publisher, Del Rey, for my next book, Book of Accidents, originally my, that book was supposed to come out this past October. 
And they were like, hey, I don't know if you heard, but there's going to be an election in November, and it's probably <laughs> a bad time to have a book out. Like, and they had, you know, they provided data that was like when our books landed before the last uh, presidential election, it was, it was the sales were dropped, and it was very hard to get any bandwidth puncturing through the noise of uh, political uh, skullduggery. So uh, I was like, yeah, okay, we can move it. That's fine. I was disappointed to move it because it's like, well, it's October. What a good time to release a spooky book. Um, but I also like was, what a bad time because there's a ter terrible election happening. Uh, so I didn't know that moving it would also have a value add recording a giant pandemic that was about to hit. A pandemic I accidentally maybe wrote about anyway. So um, I didn't really have any books coming out then in 2020, and I didn't have any books due in 2020. They were all due this year, and it was like a... I was already just like kind of floating in this place, uh, and suddenly then the pandemic happened. So I only further d detached from my creative world, and I... I just, I ch would try. I'm like, well, I could get started on some of the books due in 2021. I mean, it's not like I shouldn't write those. Yeah. Uh, and I just couldn't. It was like, um, it was really like having a broken leg and just being like, time to run. I'm like, yeah. I can just jog on my broken leg. And it's like, nope, that is not really going to work out. So, you know, I would write things like blog posts or um, just, just little things here and there, even things that weren't meant to be published and they weren't um, useful or valuable in any meaningful way. But I certainly wasn't writing quote-unquote content for um any any of my contracts so that really took until like this last fall where i started to actually do that and get back into a regular habit and even that regular habit was slow and and sort of stuttery and generally to get uh, back up and running but eventually it did and I'm, I'm there now um though i have a deadline at the end of this month that i am 100 percent not going to hit okay <laughs> does, does, your editor, does your editor know this because they might be yeah. watching yeah, it's weird. It's actually uh, like what's what's old is new again because when Wanderers, when I was writing Wanderers, I had a deadline coming up, and I was um, I was at one hundred eighty thousand words of that book, and I told her, I'm like, listen, I'm not there, but like I can maybe get it to you like a week after the deadline. I, I kind of have an idea for how to like time jump ahead and make the thing, make, hit a really you know big ending. And she was like, that's a terrible idea. Don't do. Why would you do that? Uh, <laughs> And I was like, oh, really? Okay. She's like, it's not a thriller. That's love to hear, isn't it? Yeah. And I was like, oh, no. So she's like, don't do that. Just keep writing the book. Like, write the book that you're writing. And when it's done, I will take it. And I was like, are you high now? Because, like, I don't... <laughs> yeah, I've never had an editor be like, well, just hand it to me when it's done. Not like, you know, never been like, fuck your deadline. Like, wait, yeah. what? Okay, cool, dad. I'll take it. <laughs> so thankfully, um, you know, Trisha was very uh, good at sort of um, shepherding that book forward, which is not a pun I meant until now, um, making that book happen uh, in, at the time it needed to happen. So I was 180,000 words then when I was missing a deadline. And with I'm writing the sequel right now, Wayward, and I'm 180,000 words in, uh, and I'm going to whiff that deadline. So <laughs> she told me the same thing. Book just needs to be due when it's due. So turn it in then. So now it's a, um, so now it's a pattern. If you yeah, do it one more time, it's a tradition. It's a tradition, yeah, and then it becomes yeah. religion. I think I, I'm a fourth time. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, thank you for the host, Urban Bohemian. Really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, let's see. Sario has no memory of anything after the first week of March until June. Frigg's daughter thinks last year was 2019, and sometimes this month is June. So, Yeah, time means nothing anymore. Yeah. It's just a slippery hill that I just keep gently falling down.
Yeah, I've, I've, I've been giving my dog a certain medicine for like almost a month. And when the vet asked me how long I've been giving it to her, I'm like, I'm not sure. She's like, oh my God, we've had it in here since January. I'm like, I don't think I started giving it to her in January. <laughs> like, Maybe I did. I guess. Am I just rotting away her insides, giving her too much medicine? But it turns out their records were wrong and mine was right because it, it just worked out. But I, seriously, I had one of those... Did I just not remember the past three months? Did did yeah, I'm supposed that. to be back on top of things now. I'm like working. I'm turning stuff in. It's things are happening, and well, I think we were talking just a little bit before this, and you, there was a, I think a word you were just like I don't remember that simple word, and I'm constantly now just like that thing that is the the and the and the other thing, and it's the it's shaped like a and I don't know I yeah. you know. It's, it's like the worst game to try to play with yeah. my family. Be like, I'm talking about the thing, and then you get frustrated. You're like, my brain's not braining right now. Yeah. And, and then, you know, you know somebody out there is going, are you sure you're a professional writer? No. Like, I bet I you're not very good. Yeah, you're like, probably not. Yeah, Honestly. probably not. Yeah. Yeah, also, I, I'm a podcaster, have been since 2004, and I'm still just like, what is that word? Let me say <laughs> um seven yeah, yeah. times. And then it turns out the word was podcast. And you're like, damn it. (laughs) Should have known that one. Shit. Hate that. (laughs) Oh, boy. So um, I'm going to ask you this again because I still think there's a a seminar I didn't get called to go to. Mm -hmm. Because I think it's safe to say every single writer that I've had a a shared video call with Mm -hmm. has a beautiful bookcase in their background. It's true. I do. I have a. I have a bookcase off, skewed off, like not the one where it's just the wall behind me. Yeah, over there. But you still have one, and I, do. I think that that like the way my house is set up and the way I'm doing my streaming, it's like, well, if I took that green screen down, you would see a wall. Right. So it'd be a white wall. This is the guest room. We don't have any books in here. I have lots of books all over the house. I mean, I could, guess I could stream from my bedroom floor around the piles of books, which would make me look really good to people, I think. But I just want to know, like, who who decided that this is how writers... Yeah, was there a memo? Because I feel really awkward that I did not get that memo. Um, yeah. And I feel that if I had gotten the memo, like, in... June or something last year, I would have been able to prepare for it, and I did not get the memo. Yeah, I, uh, (laughs) yeah, no, there's a whole, actually, we were very explicit about keeping you out of the the loop on that one, just to be like, we're gonna get her, we're gonna zing her, like, ha ha, hates books, (laughs) joke, she doesn't, she doesn't even write them, she doesn't even know what books are, ha ha ha, gotcha, yeah. No, I, no, I, I didn't get any, I'm in the shed, I'm in my new writing shed, which was literally done uh, the day before the lockdown began, which was um, a beautiful piece of serendipity and also proof we're living in a simulation. So that's fine. Yes. And uh, I didn't actually have the bookshelves here at the time, but I did have a, I knew where I wanted the desk to go. And it was like, because I had two windows uh, to my left, to my right, I want to be able to look at birds, which is not productive, but um, who cares? Yeah, but and, you take uh, some really beautiful pictures. So you've got an okay. eye for nature and stuff. I do. There were some Eastern towhees outside today. And I was very excited to anybody who cares about that, which it doesn't have to be any of you. I don't think Ursula is watching. Oh, you know, well, or just someone tell her, tell her okay. I saw Eastern towhees. Okay, you keep talking. I'll tell her. Great, sweet. And, uh, you know, so I I have this wall behind me, which has no windows on it because that's the wall with the uh, air conditioning unit. And um, so I had nowhere really else to put 
the two bookshelves that I was ordering. Um, and so I had to go there. So it was not really uh, planned for the pandemic, but it worked out rather well, which is good. Okay, I told Ursula. Yeah, Urban Bohemian says, I was legit wondering if the bookshelf was a Zoom background because it looks lovely. <laughs> yeah, it's actually not real. I don't, I don't read books. It's, just a, <laughs> it's not a Zoom background. I literally pull it. It's like a, a, a shade. Like I just pull it down mm -hmm. from, a, from a tube at the top and I roll it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, uh, Cameron Hurley and I have been talking about the whole writing shed thing. It's like we covet your writing shed very, it's, it's on a level of uh, inappropriateness, I think. That's fair. The I don't coveting I mean, I, of your writing shed. Why I built it is simply to be coveted. I don't. I don't even use it. <laughs> <laughs> I write outside like a hippie. I just go in the lawn and I commune with nature. But um, if it makes other writers, you know, zesty, I'll take it. Exactly. Yeah. So um, you had your writing shed, and the pandemic hit, and there was mm -hmm. the time you don't remember, which fair lost yes. to most of us. Yeah. Um, I did that. What I the one thing I did during that time that was functional was because I had books coming out this year, um, including my first middle grade. I was doing a lot of editing, uh, and the the pandemic brain worked really well with editing because it was like sort of that like crunchy, just like I'm just gonna like wade into these words and just swim around and be like, no bad words, stupid word, and make these words kiss now, and like. <laughs> It felt like, kind of like you're like, it's almost the equivalent of like, well, I've got nothing to do, so I'm going to go tinker on the car. Like, just felt like mm -hmm. endless tinkering, but in a productive way, because I'm getting paid for them. But uh, th that clicked well with my brain, but writing new stuff was like just like treacle. It was not, not good. Wow. I'm, I'm still jealous. Uh, je I'm jealous of everything, Chuck, really. That's fair. Uh, jealous of you and Adam Christopher talking about how editing is your favorite part. It's like, that's when you make the writing good. And I'm like, no, the writing's yeah. the fun part, and the editing is the work. <laughs> so I like it's them not both. fun. I really like writing the, the first round, too. And then I like the... the but they, see, they, there's the trick, though. Because while I really like writing the new words, and I really like editing the words that I've written, there's an important interstitial realm between those two phases that I despise. I can't look at the stuff after I've written it until there's a preset amount of time or unpreset amount of time. I don't really know when it triggers that I have to trick my brain into believing some other asshole wrote that book. Yeah. Well, if I just... think it's still me, I, I hate it. I can't do it. Do you really have to trick yourself? Because I just think that's just like taking a couple of steps away for a little while. Yeah, I do have to, and I have to trick, like, I'll, if it's something that there hasn't been enough time, I can trick myself with, like, oh, I put it in a different font, or if it's printed out, because I see everything on a screen, or if it's a PDF versus a Word document, they're little, like, triggers that make it look like some other jabroni wrote that book, and then I can be like, great, that's cool, I'm, I can totally rip this thing apart and, and figure out and take it down to the struts and see what works and what doesn't, uh, whereas if it's not, I either get too... I hate it too much when I shouldn't, or I like. I feel protective over parts that are terrible. It's like I have no perspective right out of the gate. That is fascinating. I have never heard of that kind of mind hack. Yeah. That's uh. That's my brain really is neat. an enemy. I must trick it. I, trick I, my I, you know, I one of the things that got me moving again is realizing if I treat my brain like a six-year-old, things happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't like admitting that I need to be treated like a six-year-old, but, you know, I actually bought a kitchen safe to lock my switch in. So oh, I, you know, I'm better now. I actually broke me the habit, but I would, like, get up and look at Animal Crossing, and then hours yep. would pass, and I would get nothing done. And so for a while, I was taking my switch at night, and I was 
putting it in the kitchen, little kitchen safe, and then I programming it for like 16 hours. Nice. And so then I couldn't get into it until the next afternoon. So that would make it easier for me to go right. And I'm like, I have to lock up my switch like they're cookies. I mean. <laughs> hey, you know what? Whatever works. Exactly. It worked. And so I'm not, I'm not knocking it, but those, those mind hacks are, I, I've not heard of what you did. Did, 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 did you, can you think of anything else? Can we spread this wisdom, this mind hacky wisdom? Oh, mind hack? I don't know if I could do, I'm trying to think of those other mind hacky things that are key. I think building a writing shed's a good one. It's a good one, yeah. That's not mind hacky so much as, uh, you know, an, an infrastructure aspect. Yeah, that's the writer's true. Life, which is, uh, I also recognize a huge privilege in most writers cannot be like, hey, I'm just going to go put a writer's shed in, in the yard. Um, but, you know, the first one I had to build because, like, my, I had a, my first Star Wars gig landed and... Uh, my son was of an age where he was not yet at school, but was uh, active and aware, and fully sentient at that point. I know. And they, so, and they walk. They walk, and they're yeah. just like he was like four, and he, you know, he was just in my shit all the time, appropriately, and I loved it. And that was actually part of the issue because I couldn't just be like, "Get the hell out of my office, you little son of a!" And I'd be like, "No, no, come in, yeah, let's hang out, let's talk. You want to show me this puppet? Let's show me this puppet." And then meanwhile, I'm, I'm, I'm getting nothing done. So, and you couldn't just like gently close the door because he would John McLean his way in through the vents. So, I, uh, <laughs> we, you know, I was like, "We need to do something. I need to get an office like offsite, or we need to like I need to retrofit the garage, or something needs to happen." And then uh, I talked to at that time an Amish shed builder. Um, and they built a shed. Could not deliver it because they're Amish. So then Mennonites delivered the Amish shed. That's a whole extra thing. Uh, but at that point, and that's, I hit the ground running with the Star Wars book. And it was good because they had uh, changed my deadline on that. I had three months originally to write the first draft of the first Aftermath book. And then I only had one month because they changed the publishing date, which changed my my uh, deadline. And so suddenly Wait, so I that again, you had, you, you wrote Aftermath in a month? The first draft I wrote in a month. Yeah, I mean, there was obviously editing, but like oh from God. the day of deep, I got hired on September 4th to write that book, and then the book came out on September 4th the following year. And I mean, that's that's a tight, tight timeline for that sort of thing. I'm day. sorry, I'm I'm just I'm just amazed. Both you and Delilah have told me about these very, very difficult deadlines given for original books. I had yeah. more time to write solo. Yeah. And Probably I'm really was glad I did. Got, Sorry? They got bought by, like, Disney, and they were suddenly making new movies. And somewhere along the way, Disney or someone was like, well, we need books to go with that. And they're like, yeah, that's, like, but that's next year. Books are not yeah. fast. It's like, no, nothing in books is fast. It's yeah. glacial. So uh, they still try to make it fast. And, and we did it, but oof. Did they push everybody else along the production cycle, too? Because, you know... Rushing the writing is usually not the best place to cut corners. Not that you cut uh, corners, because Aftermath was a great book. Well, thank you. Uh, no, I mean, it, it was just like a, just a, uh, a fall from orbit. <laughs> there was, there was, it was just and me and everybody. I mean, the publishing, everybody. Everybody on that chain was, uh, was in a rush to get that book out. Wow. Yeah. Deadlines suck, and yet we need yeah. them. We need them. But they suck. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Stupid deadlines. Yeah. Exactly. Um, also, if you guys have any questions for Chuck, I know we don't. Um, <clears throat> we haven't had a lot of ditch diggers that are interactive in real time. But if you guys have any 
questions for Chuck or me about the business of writing, please put them in the chat. Would love to hear from them. Mm -hmm. um, we will lead you astray. We will lie to you and then leap ahead of you. No, that's not how it's going to work. We'll, we'll give you this good is, This is interesting. What the, what uh, you think the job as co-host is supposed to be. <laughs> is that not it? Or we're not, yes, no, we're that's not, not it. No, not yeah, quite. In the dark forest, we will run to the light. <clears throat> ah, the witch has you. Exactly. Yeah. Um, oh, I was going to talk about some things that have been on... Um, been on the internet since mm. Matt and I last recorded, which I think was sure. February. Always there a was... good Yeah, exactly. You, you, you and I love the internet. So good. Nothing's ever wrong there. No, exactly. Um, my my first favorite thing was, uh, and I think someone in chat knows the person, so I apologize if uh, it, it's, it's sore for me to bring this up, but um, there was the person who said that Right. First, they called it writing advice, <laughs> and the writing mm. advice is other writers are not your friends. Oh, and that was harsh writing advice. Harsh writing advice, right? Harsh writing like like real talk time. Kiddies. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. Other uh, writers are basically your competition. They're not your friends. That was the. Yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, so besides the fact that you and I've been friends since what, twenty thirteen, twelve. Maybe 12, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, 2012 at least. Yeah, so besides the fact that we've been friends since then, um, what, what, what do you think about that? Because, I mean, if you think they're right, we're probably going to have to end this soon. Oh, uh, no. I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I had a lot of very uh, interesting thoughts about that. First of all, it spawned a thread um, that I did for uh, well over a month. I did it every day called Gentle Writing Advice that was um, more what I considered pandemic-friendly writing yeah. advice um a softer touch um and I, I tried to explain at terrible lines of the blog why i was doing that in um in in contrast to that harsh writing advice uh and i feel like it's because you know when we were maybe i don't want to say starting out but like back in like 2010 2011 2012 mm -hmm. um when social media was newish um and people were i feel like at that time maybe the the their access to wisdom quote-unquote about writing and the realities of the writing life were um a little harder to access right so back then the advice took on more of like a harsh writing advice i just need to tell you how it really is because a lot of the you know either the mfa stuff is going to give you this sort of like glorified version and here's like almost like you know the ditch digger idea like what well, sometimes it's digging ditches like that's a even in the name is kind of a little bit of a, like a sort of a reality check yeah. version of that, right and that was fine for that time i don't think that that was inappropriate but I think now we have like a, uh, uh, just, a, we have a plethora. Everybody's on the harsh writing advice tip. There's not a lot yeah. of kind writing advice. And I didn't feel like that was, A, necessary at that time, nor was it in any way correct. So not only is it like, quote unquote, harsh writing advice, which we don't need, but it's terrible writing advice that all it's of your- It's also not advice. No, it's not advice. Like, what are you <laughs> supposed to do with that information? Like, am I supposed yeah. to kill them and eat them? Like, what is yeah. the, what is the function of like, well, they're your competition, so eliminate them now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like it's not actionable, it's not meaningful, and it's not even true. So, uh, yeah, it felt like the need to sort of like counterweight that both with first like some funnier, absurd tweets, and then kind of like an actual, an earnest thread of, of gentle writing advice to to uh, balance all that silliness. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. We got uh, Twitter hose is the f Twitter is the fire hose of good. Says Sario, mm -hmm. and T is here. Hey T, good to see you. Hi. Two of my favorite people in the world. 
And I remember that pandemic advice got me through a lot. Good to see you, T. Thanks for dropping by. Um, yeah, the, the, the thing that gets me is how my career has been built off of networking and being friendly. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I don't tire of this story. I'm sure my listeners do, but I don't. Is, is the, you know, I had a nice, friendly interview with Lev Grossman the year he was up for the Campbell. Well, now the astounding, excuse me. And when we were, you know, we had a nice time talking. And when we were done, he asked if he'd see me at the parties that night. And I said, well, I'm not invited. And all the Hugo parties are invite only. And he's like, I don't have a plus one. Come with me. And that was the, I was standing in line for a drink and hitting it off with a lady I didn't know. And it turns out she was the head editor at Orbit. And a couple of months later, she signed me for my first book deal. See? And yes, they already had my book. She might have loved it and contacted me anyway. But like little things like that, little little nice moments that that get you into a good place. That that all happens because we when writers are your friends. Yes. And just as writers are not competition, I also yeah. think some people take it the wrong way that they're they're a resource, like they're your la- like a rungs on a ladder. Yeah, so there's, you're doing there's it that. right way. You're just like talking and having a nice conversation, and the next thing you know, like good things occur from that. That the, those two people coming together and just having a chat, not the like, well, what can I get out of this person, or what can yeah. I? There's no, um, you know, that mechanism by which we sort of like vamp- vampirically try to drain other authors is another sort of toxic uh, writing advice notion that some some authors seem to have. Yeah. So it's great to have this, like meeting people at cons and just like, you know, bar con with you drink or don't drink uh, always feels like a nice place to just sort of, especially, you know, I don't know what it's like with other genres, but I can tell you like sci-fi fantasy has always been, I, I feel uh, welcoming. I know there's some cons and some, uh, some writers have not had good experiences there, but yeah. um, for, by and large for my part, I feel that it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's uh I always tell people that, yes, if you can't get to a con, of course, you know, there are all, all sorts of other places you can go to meet people and connect with people. But still, I if you can't get to a convention and, you know, things are improving and they're going to start coming back. I have um, a, I got a book fest invite the other day. Now, it's local to me and they're doing it all, you know, when it's like in October or something like that, September, October, and it's like in person and they're like, do you want to come? And I was like... I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I, think, I think, but like, I don't, I don't know. Is that, is it okay? Like, are we all, are we all going to die? <laughs> uh, like, is there just going to be like, is this an outbreak monkey situation? I don't know what's going on. So uh, I gave a tentative. Yes. Like assuming that things don't explode before then. And there's not some new like variant that turns your face to pudding. Yeah. Uh, try to make it work. Yeah. I, uh, I know that there's several, um, October con October science fiction conventions that are planning on going um, in person. Yeah, I think Mile High Con. I I remember paying attention to that one because I felt kind of bitter because last year I was supposed to be guest of honor at Mile High Con, and um, well, it got canceled, of course. So I, it it was a virtual thing. So uh, yeah, that was kind of sad because I was really looking forward to that one. But yeah, uh, to- World Con did con. move. Sorry. I got invited to like a New Zealand con, and of course, I mean, I, was, I wasn't going to happen anyway. The pandemic then occurred before it even mattered, but it was like, 
Yeah, yeah. it's been crazy. But Worldcon got moved to December. That's so, right. Um, well, I'm kind of annoyed because my daughter won't be able to go because she'll be in finals in college. Uh, my husband and I are planning on going, so really looking forward to that. Well, and congratulations, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't didn't announce that, did I? No, you did not uh, announce. The, the Hugo nominations, uh, Hugo finalists were announced yesterday. And Escape Pod, which I co-edit, and then Escape Pod got the Best Semi-Prosing nomination. And then my co-editor, SB Divya, and I got uh, Best Editor Short Form nominations, which Escape Pod's been nominated before, but never have we been on the editor ballot. And that's been largely... You know, the old school Neil Clark, Sheila Williams, and um, uh, Alan Datlow group, and Jonathan Strawn, and I mean, amazing editors, but they've been doing it forever, and it was just amazing. And we got an email from Sheila Williams like 30 minutes after the announcement. It was so nice. She was just like wanting to congratulate us, and, and it was very sweet. That's cool. Uh, yes, Urban Bohemian Worldcon is still on. It got moved to December, so it's it's going to be happening in person in December. I'm betting that the timing and the pandemic will keep it smaller than usual Worldcons, but I'm planning on being there. So I'm I got Hugo's to lose, baby. So uh, <laughs> it's always better to think of it that way instead of think you have a choice, a chance. Yeah, of a mind that like. I mean, it's cheesy, and but like being nominated is the win. Absolutely, it really is. Everything else is at that point is like you can't. Not that you control the the nomination either, but like that's really, really out of your control. You're now in just like you're just breathing rarefied air, and that's wonderful to be nominated, and that's that's definitely the win. So congratulations! At some point, someone's going to speak my name in the same sentence as Sheila Williams and Neil Clark and Ellen Datlow, and that is wow. It's wonderful. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, sorry, we had... I haven't cut up with chat yet. We got... Uh, T says, I believe for some writers it's tougher to be nice than to be savvy. Being nice is sometimes seen as making yourself vulnerable. I disagree, just be nice. That's how I know you and Chuck. Although buying Chuck donuts at RavenCon helped. Can you be bought with donuts, man? Uh, I mean, probably. I feel like I can be. I mean... They're good donuts. Okay, so you know? that that's that's they important. Be like crap donuts. They got to be good donuts. Yeah. Oh, I'm cheap. I'm a cheap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or Bohemian wants to find someone who needs a plus one. Um, we could talk. I could probably arrange that. I know people. You're people who know people. Uh, yeah, I know some yeah. people. They were duck donuts. Oh, okay. Say mm-hmm. no more. They tea. were duck donuts. Yeah. No, I want duck donuts, damn it. But duck donuts doesn't do filled, do they? No. See, that's one of the so. things that I, I have a fundamental... Because we have a duck donuts that moved into where my old house was. It wasn't far from there. And uh, they're phenomenal donuts, but no filled donuts. And that saddens me. I feel like a filled donut... How do you not have filled donuts? I think you have. they have their thing, you know? They have yeah. their very specific way of doing things. And, sure, but their thing yeah. should be different. I'm, t- I'm telling Duck Donuts they should do a different thing, and that thing should be filled donuts. Maybe they can call those Kill Devil Hills donuts, but it just doesn't. It's not as um, doesn't scan as 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 well. No, I guess not. 
Uh-oh, T's mad that you're dissing the duck. Well, I mean, that's, that's you know, that's just life in the big city when you get you get me on a podcast. I, I diss your favorite donut joint. <laughs> the you get that is me. the cold, harsh, fact, yeah. reality that's, of ditch diggers. Donut advice, everybody. That's right. Donuts or GTFO. That's right. Yep. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Um, seems like there's definitely a donut hole begging to be filled there. Mm-hmm. Wait, is that what does that mean? Is that like a is that a rude? Thing? I don't know. No, that's I think fun. that's more of a pun. A pun, not a rude pun. That doesn't just... seem like you, Urban Bohemian, though. I don't know, but um, so there was that other thing that happened on Twitter that was recent. <clears throat> that, that other thing. Every, There's only one other thing. New thing on Twitter every day is a new like. Did you see the thing where the bus crashed into the orphanage? Metaphorically yeah. on Twitter, yeah. That was good. Yes. Oh, today you're evil, Herb. Oh, no. Um, so, yeah, the, somebody said that... Uh, it started with an absolute. Don't say absolutes on Twitter. Don't say absolutes about writing. No, it's just only a not, Sith. Absolutes. It's just ridiculous. Exactly. It's a Sith thing. And this Sith, Sith. got on and said that um, oh. horror, horror can't happen in space because then it's science fiction. No, that's that's you can't have a romantic comedy on a submarine. I've always said that. That's just one of those writing rules. You can't. Yeah. You can't, you can't have a comedy uh, under the ocean. Nope. It's not, not how that works. Exactly. You gotta have these rules. You gotta set. You gotta set parameters and make sure that horror can't happen in space because that's definitely definitely true. It makes total sense. Like yeah, space isn't scary with space isn't monsters and can't. First of all, I mean, it calls to mind the fact that genre is just sort of a nonsense thing anyway. Like, science fiction and fantasy are, like, setting trappings-based. Like, it's, like, when and how it's set. And then horror is, and sort of thrillers to a degree are, like, in mystery are sort of a, a motive. Like, they're sort of what you are teasing out. I mean, they come with tropes, too, but they're it's more about, like, how it affects you and how the... So you can always have, like, you can mash up those things. Like, you can have a mystery fantasy you can have you know a thriller set a sci-fi thriller like it's like weird to be like well but horror no that's yeah no i mean definitely alien is not a movie that exists that's not a thing yeah i mean think about if if someone had told douglas adams that you can't have humor in space yeah i mean yeah that's that's uh but you know um i think one one thing people don't know is genre is a marketing construct yeah totally it's and you know we call Stephen King hark uh, Stephen King horror, but where is he shelved? He's shelved yeah. in fiction because mm-hmm. he sells really well. Yep. So Deborah Harkness writes fantasy, and that's also in fiction because she sells really well. It's like yeah. it doesn't. They don't even care. They don't even care what's in the book. Up. They're gonna put it where they think will go. When zeros, my novel zeros came out. Um... Barnes and Noble, uh, the book buyer there, Jim, who's always great and wonderful, um, was going to buy the book for the sci-fi shelves because he's a sci-fi fantasy buyer. And uh, somehow in there, like the fiction buyer decided, well, no, this is fiction. And so they instead purchased it through that, and it ended up on fiction shelves. But they also didn't buy like any copies. So like nationwide, I think there were like 50 copies of the book in Barnes and Nobles. Uh, but it was such a weird thing, and the, the book 
didn't do well at Barnes and Noble for that reason. Like we sold more in independent bookstores than we sold in any one given. Uh, 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 sorry, in one independent bookstore than we sold nationwide. Wow. Um, for Barnes and Noble, and then when the paperback came out, they reshelved it back to fantasy sci-fi, and it did really great in paperback because turns out people go to those shelves looking for science fiction, which is what I wrote as a book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we got undersea rom-com. That's definitely a subgenre. That was my last pun. That's actually a good pun. I do appreciate good puns. They're just yeah, often. Good, that is a good pun. That's actually yeah. a really. And I say that you know, knowing that a lot of puns are not good. Yeah, that was a good one. I will say the one thing about that weird horror thing is like, you know, tw- the weird Twitter experience though is like, you take this one thing this one person said, and they don't have a lot of followers if I recall, and they yeah. just said stupid thing and then people talk about it for like three days <laughs> yeah like, i know i'm careful not to say anything about them because i mean there's like there's like say something absolutely horrible yeah and but then there's just like i'm gonna sit up and say this absolute stupid thing and then the world yeah. falls on them and they're like falls on them i was yeah. wrong maybe yeah. unless they yeah. double down and then it's like are you just not paying attention yeah, yeah. Some people do do the double down thing, and you're like, "Ooh, that's not going to go well for you." Yeah. Yeah, it's not going to go people well. People don't like hearing that they're wrong, and the thing is, I feel like I'm wrong all the time. And so, if somebody tells me I'm wrong, I'm like, "Oh, am I? Okay, yeah. I'll work yeah, on right. that." That makes sense. Yeah, I was like that tracks that I'm wrong. Yeah, sure, makes sense. Totally. <laughs> yeah. 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 We got. Uh... Bad opinion, small reach, and suddenly you're Twitter's main character. Yeah, it's terrifying. I've... Yeah. Yeah, sometimes you post something and no one pays any attention, but sometimes you're like, well, if it went yeah. the other way, that's a little scary, so maybe not. Maybe I'm good. I've, yeah, I've definitely been in the scary part of, like, Twitter, where you're just like, I said a thing, and, like, even if you didn't think it was a bad thing, you're just like, I just sort of said a thing, and then suddenly people are like, well, guess what? We're going to talk about it for a long time. It's like, yeah. shit, shit, all right. Yeah, fun times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, like I said, and awkward. It's just, <laughs> the, tw- just, the Twitter sad and awkward pause. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. I that that thing that's fun yeah. and and we enjoy it, and then oh, that's right, something terrible happens. Right, because like that's the thing, right? Because Twitter encourages a level of controversy. Like that's how you succeed there more now than it used to be. Like, virality is a, a, a sort of an aspect of, like, how either f- extreme you can be in some fashion, funny, or you said a controversial thing, you're speaking truth to power. So and a lot of that stuff is not necessarily bad, but it encourages over time a level of, like, we'll go further and further out on the cliff, and that's where we're going to watch you. If you're not further out on the cliff, why would we pay attention? Like, we want to see if you're going to make it out okay and so unfortunately it encourages you to get like you know edgier and edgier with your your ideas and then the, you can see people sort of like i'm just gonna drop this mic and see what happens like well you just dropped it on your own foot and then the cliff fell beneath you and now you're falling into twitter hell yeah that's really interesting because sometimes i have this i, I know this sounds like my diamond shoes are too tight but i've got over fifteen thousand followers but when i post there's almost no interaction, and I realize I'm probably not going close enough to the cliff. Yeah, it's weird, and like the other thing is, Twitter I think is quashing with its algorithm, sort of quashing some 
connection now anyway. Because, like, I'll find... Oh, man, Facebook did think, that. Like, I'll be like, oh, man, is that person not on Twitter anymore? Like, I haven't seen them in ages. And you, like, look them up on Twitter, and they've been, like, tweeting constantly. And you're just like, I don't see them. They just never show up. Weird. Uh, and I've had people tell me that, like, oh, I didn't even see those tweets that you tweeted. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I why, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? <laughs> I don't know, man. Why are any of us doing it? Uh, yeah. But that 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 really is a good point. It's like how how out there do you need to be to get attention? And some of us, I mean, I get I get really really anxious. I mean, even when I get good attention, I get really anxious. And yeah, I, so it's like I'm. The idea of of just trying to push the trying to to push the envelope and see, you know, if I can piss off two people and make ten people go, yeah, right on. Is that worth it? And uh, yeah, it's it's almost never worth it because like the two people will always be the thing I remember. Oh yeah, um, and, and they'll probably like, retweet you, and then it'll go terrible. But, yeah, it will not go well. Yeah. Um, Crap. What was I going to say? It's gone. The words. They're gone, Chuck. I don't even know. I don't even know who you are. I don't know how I got here. To be just absolutely honest with you. <laughs> well, I asked you. We're, I mean, just agree to disagree on that one. I don't know. I just, okay. I, I woke up here. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, Sario says, I got a week about about a week of Chuck tweets, and then they go away for a month. That might be mm. you. Well, I, I don't think so, but maybe no. it is. Maybe it is. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, Will Ralston wants to know, will you ever work on a Marvel comic again? Uh, I mean, I guess you would probably first want to ask Marvel that, <laughs> but I assume yeah. not. <laughs> I'm assuming I am not allowed on a Marvel comic or uh, anything Star Wars related at this point. Yeah. Yeah, that's my guess. My guess is I'm I'm arm's length there. I'm sorry, dude. Well, it's, I mean, it's fine for the most part. Like, uh, you, you know, um, like I had in, uh, what was it, um... Mandalorian had one of the characters from Aftermath show up, and uh, all right, like it was both really awesome and also like I get nothing for this. Like, yeah, I, can't, I get nothing for it. I get nothing except for generally speaking abuse on Twitter for people being like, rah, 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 "Why is Chuck Randy's booking the show?" And then like I get no money. Yeah, get no actual. I don't even get like a. I don't think they send me cookies. Like <laughs> I don't get a thank you in the credits. It's just like, yeah, fuck you. We took this put on put in the show. And that's, I mean, I knew that. It's not like I'm surprised. I'm not exactly, like, I'm not angry in the sense that, like, how dare you cut me out. But uh, I knew that going in, so um, I'm happy to be reminded why I maybe don't want to do it again anyway. Yeah. Yeah. You you wrote some good books and took a lot of shit for it. I'm sorry. That's all um, right. I, I courted some of the shit, but, uh, you know, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I stirred shit also, but um, it was it was rough. It was a rough go of it. Yeah. Yeah, Star Star Wars is fun. I get, um, <clears throat> I was excited when my contract said I got a royalty. And now that I'm getting royalty statements, <clears throat> and I haven't earned out my advance yet, and from the looks of the statements, I never will. <laughs> so that royalty that I'm promised, yeah, and that royalty was never coming. Probably teeny tiny if I'm imagining. It, it, uh, oh, yeah. I thought yeah. even teeny tiny part of Star Wars is good. No. No. Yeah. Once you shave it down to where you can look straight, like look through it, it's not. It's not going to feed your family. Oh, no, it's not. No, and that's the thing. Like you know, you you know, 
I, I'm, it's a good lesson to have learned for me that it was like, well, I can't continue to monetize that work in any meaningful way. And, you know, as much as I hate to have uh, this thing that we do be a business thing, because, like, it feels crass to make it a growth. you got to make business decisions. But at the same time, like, it's, I knew what I was getting out of it, and I got what I needed out of it, but I don't, I will not continue to get anything out of it if I went down that path more. It's a, I mean, you know, we could stretch this to be an entire IP discussion because yeah. working with IP is, uh, it's it's a difficult thing because usually, at least in my experience so far, the money has been better than I got, but it was usually work for hire, so right. doesn't matter. Like my Minecraft, the Minecraft series made the New York Times bestseller list for children's series. I didn't know there was a New York Times bestseller list for children's series, but there is. Minecraft hit it, which means I'm technically a New York Times best-selling author. Yep. Two years after the book came out. <laughs> Dude, really? Yeah, yeah. It's oh it just uh, the whole the whole series made it. So that's awesome. Yeah, it was thrilling. But I'm like, wow, look at that! I get nothing. You know, it's 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 cool. It's awesome. Um, but you can put it on books now, and that is something. Yes, that you get. that's true. That's, that that's, is true. Yeah. But there's like. Uh, you know, when you get to write Star Wars, it's you get you get an inside look at things, and you get to say, "Oh my God, I wrote Star Wars! I created canon!" Yeah. I and you get this this the little kid inside of you is jumping up and down, and the business person looks and says, "Okay, how much money does Star Wars make?" And I know right. I'm not writing all of Star Wars, but how they're they're paying they're paying how much for right. how much work and how much it's just you know you, you just gotta wonder and whatever that exciting canon you write will never ever belong to you ever nope and, and we'll get nothing for it if it is if it carries beyond your the, the book yeah yeah and um i remember i don't i don't remember who it was but uh i think it might have been the last time i saw you in person at new york comic-con we mm -hmm. there was that uh del rey party oh yeah and i remember meeting an author there who was complaining to somebody that they could only get ip work and they were really just wanting to do something else and i thought yeah. you know my thought is wow i would love to have a whole bunch of of star wars books but um then it's like, well, no, I see it now. I see it's like, like everything else, the shine's going to get a little rubbed right. off. Yeah, it gets, uh, the shine definitely goes off the app on that one, especially depending on, like, as you work with more and more of them and you sort of see how they're done in different ways with different companies and different IPs are handled different ways and some are certainly more pleasant than others. Yeah. Um, and even as a single IP changes as you work on it. I mean, the, my experience with Star Wars in the beginning were very different from my experience with the Star Wars at the end of it. Not just with the audience, but sort of how the sausage is made was very different. Yeah. Um, it got harder and more time-consuming, and suddenly you're like, how many meetings am I taking to talk about this thing? And like, you know, Aftermath, like I said, they, it was like fall from space. Like, we're just going to expect a book from you in a month. See you later. Good luck. And uh, I, got no, I got no Bible. I got nothing. They had, they had nothing for me. Uh, outside of an occasional surreptitious phone call where they like whispered a planet name to me and expected me to do something. <laughs> Seriously, that was like the weirdest thing. It was like, they're like, we have a new planet we're going to announce. I'm like, awesome. And they're like, we want, to, want you to put it in aftermath. I was like, awesome, this is going to be great. And we got on this call and they're like, don't don't type it out because we don't want anyone to see it. So you just have to handwrite it. And they're like, check out. Like, okay, so like, okay, I'm going to put it in the aftermath. What is it like? We can't tell you that. 
you can't tell me what the planet is that I'm supposed to include in a book. People are going to know when I like turn it into a snow planet and it's a sand planet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need context. Just say like three words that give me some place to anchor this planet, but it was nothing. So, um, but by the end, it was like there were so many sort of meetings and you, it was just like a lot more time was being invested before you could even write anything. And so the time spent writing a book is suddenly duplicated and you're getting paid arguably then half as much because your time is spent elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, did I ever tell you about my, the, the, the secret whisper thing in um, the solo book? No. Darth Maul is not in the script. Really? He was such a big secret that they didn't put him in the script. It's like, we can't tell you who this is. That was written in the script. Which makes sense because, you know, it's like... Yeah. They filmed What's-His-Face's scenes because he was just a hologram. Sure. They could have filmed it, you know. But it was like... I looked at my editor and I'm like, you know I can't write this scene without knowing who she's talking to, right? Yeah, turns out you have to make that reflective. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, she finally um, she finally was able to tell me at one point that, that who it was. And then, but that was really fun. Just seeing that in the script was just <laughs> that's, that's amazing. amazing. I can't tell you this. Um, yeah. I need to know. Yeah. We got, um, let's see, uh, Kit says, you could be worse, you could be like Alan Dean Foster and get extra nothing, which is mm. fair, that's mm. a big mess. Yeah. <clears throat> now some publishers try to tack on editing and other services to eat into that royalties paying out from what I've seen. I haven't heard that. No, I hope no publisher tries that with me. My agent will hopefully eat them for dinner. Oh, she will. Yeah. She, you're, you're... Your agent walks around with a knife and fork, ready. Yeah, she's yeah, she's stabby. Uh, would you both argue you get something outside of monetary windfall with IP? It's more like brand recognition where people will pick up your IP tie-in and then start looking for other books by you. No. I don't think so. I'll tell you, the greatest thing that I ever... The greatest favor that people who hated Aftermath could have done for me was I was... Uh, looking on, I, I forget what the forum was, it might have been the force.net, and uh, people were railing about the Aftermath books, and they were really super mad at me, and they were like, and there was a really crystallizing moment in that thread where someone said, like, well, he wrote it differently than all the other Star Wars books, and doesn't he know all we read is Star Wars books? And I was like, oh, oh, that actually helps me understand some things, like, because, you know, my view is like, well, if I'm going to write this thing, I want it to feel like a me book as much as a Star Wars book. It can't yeah. just be like, I don't want it to be cut and paste, cookie cutter kind of thing. Um, and I hope people will move from that book to uh, my other books. And I, it has happened where people have jumped from Star Wars and have emailed me to tell me they moved from my other books. But generally speaking, I think most IP people read in their IP people. And which when you say that IP people, it sounds almost rude. IP yes. people. Um, ignore yeah. that part of that but uh, I do think they are fairly married to the intellectual property and of course I also hate when we call it IP because really we also write I, when we're writing our own books it's intellectual yeah. property it's just ours so licensed intellectual property um, sure. they like to remain by and large in that and so there's not necessarily a huge value add um, I don't think I mean from my experience I, I, I think it's best if you want to write it you do it because you like that intellectual property and you like that world or, you know, you're 
um, hungry. <laughs> like I've been there. Like I don't. I don't think there's any harm or foul in, in that either. Um, either of those things. But if you're doing it for like sort of a long term gain, I don't necessarily know that the tail is very long on writing this books. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Rising Tides hosted the stream. Thank you so much. Really appreciate that. Um, uh, Kit says you should have called Jakku a multi-biome planet. Take that. Yeah, there you go. That'll confuse everybody. I know. I'll be getting emails for years about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the uh, IP people are Kelly for life. No, Kit. No. Oh. No. That's that's a bad bad thing. Mm. Writing IP is fanfic you get paid for. Yeah, what? also fanfic that uh, gets dictated and guided and right heavily edited and stuff that that yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, have to, I have to admit I had a great experience with Solo. Um, they cut one of my scenes and it wasn't one of my favorite scenes and they let me keep the shower scene where Chewie takes all of Lando's product and wastes it all in order to get clean. And um, that's... I I will always be grateful for that, being able to keep that scene in the book. Yeah. But um, yeah, they just cut one scene. and but, but I know people who've had different experiences with writing for IP that just... Yeah. Um, after that, I, I mean, I really... I can't complain. I had a great time writing for Aftermath. The, um, the, the store group people were really fun to work with, and they were, by and large, pretty committed to letting me sort of tell that story. By the third book, it started to get a little more rigorous. They were, were doing things that, like, we were building up for two books, and they suddenly didn't want them to pay off because they were like, well, we're gonna, we might handle that elsewhere now, so you can't do it. And I'm like, no. Mm -hmm. like, and it's where I learned another very important, for me, writing lesson, where it's like we internalize as writers so long the idea that you're supposed to kill your darlings. Like, if, you know, just you got to be ready to at any moment get rid of those things you love in a book. But then I don't think we also internalize the opposite, which is like you have to know which hills are willing to die on. Yeah. Um, like my name is on this book no matter what happens at the end of the day. So I'm like, I'm going to write these things. And if you want to pull them out, you're going to have to figure out how it works. Like which, you, can, you know, right. which you can um, negotiate taking your name off a book. Yes. Uh, just, we didn't have to. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that for your sake was not kind the, the disney right. version of that contract is like we just do it and you get nothing and ha 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 yeah did they write the ha 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 in there is it like think, a yeah, sub clause ha, ha, on every page mm -hmm. yeah. yeah you have to but, say it's you're contractually obligated to do it in a mickey mouse voice yeah and you know i i of course am not going to say who but i do know somebody who was so unhappy with the way their ip book was going they said we gotta take my name off i can't mm -hmm. if you're not going to let me write what i what I feel needs to be written in this book, you can't put my name on it. And they got, they were able to get the name off and they were much more relieved with that. Oh, but well, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, I can't even imagine getting to that point there. That would suck. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't get to that point. Cause that would have sucked. Yeah. So would you take on another IP or are you kind of done with that at this point? I'm mostly done with it. I don't, um, uh, you know, I'm very privileged enough where I do pretty well with my own original work, and that even like the original work, like Blackbirds. I think the uh, after uh, or advance on Blackbirds when I first published it was, I think eight thousand um, dollars. It was UK money, so I don't know exactly the precise dollar figure, but it was about eight thousand bucks. The Angry and, Robot uh, version. Yeah, the Angry Robot version, right? And you know, I have licensed that so many times to so many places. I mean, it's 
in foreign rights that it's probably still now to this day one of the biggest earners I have. And it, it started from a tiny advance. So, mm-hmm. you know, I can't do that with IP stuff. I can't exactly. continue to sort of live off of that with foreign rights and film and TV rights or game licensing or whatever it is we want to do with it. Um, or even if I just wanted to like take it and figure out if I can tell more stories in that space and take these characters, um, th- that's all sort of locked away. Uh, so, and again, that's fine. I didn't, it's not a mystery to me. I wasn't like, what? I can't just continue to write Star Wars novels on my own. Um, even though some people <laughs> like, like, well, why don't you just write in another one, dumbass? Like, oh, yeah. good, good, thank you. Um, so I knew that going in, but I'm, I'm sort of very clear and having the sort of toxic, uh, reactions I've had with various situations inside, um, that particular property. I'm like, you know what? I feel good not doing that right now. I, I won't say never, but, um, yeah, and I certainly don't, it would probably be never Star Wars again, but, yeah. uh, other intellectual property would be, it would have to be something I really love. And I don't know that there's a lot out there that I'm so enamored with that I'd be like, Yes, I've got to do this. Maybe, maybe something. Yeah, I think I think one of the things that you can't guarantee is because you're working in somebody else's world, even if it's a world you love, you don't know what it's going to be like to work with the actual controllers of the intellectual property. I had, I, there was one, I, I did have a list of stuff that I would love to write on, and I even talked to the editor of one and said they said they had the rights to this pro- this property and I said if you ever get a chance to do novels I want to be on that list I love this this uh, this world and they're like yeah totally sure and then I heard somebody else was writing a novel in that world and I got really just upset and jealous and then I heard the experience they had writing oh. that novel in that world and I'm like oh. Oh. That's right. You you don't know what it's going to yep. be like working with people who own the thing or people who work for the people who own the thing. And Right. Sometimes there can be multiple stages there. If you get a yeah. video game property, it's like you're working with the publisher, but then you're working with the, the video game company who's designing it, but then you might be working differently with the distributor of the video game, and then it's just like, well, you're going to yeah. get in some, some fun, you're, and you're at the, just the bottom of that shit vortex. Like, that's yeah. all going to fall on your head as an author and you're just going to have to be like please everybody that'll be great good job yeah exactly so um but you know going back to the foreign rights thing i had a conversation with my agent when we were dealing uh doing my last deal where um somebody had offered more money for world rights and it was Mm. a good amount and my my previous agent was very diplomatic and what she did not do was say, I think you should do this or I don't think you should do this. What she did was she contacted our foreign rights agent and she said, send us a list of everywhere Six Wakes has sold in the world and how much more is made. And so these are little things that like come along in dribs and drabs over the months and most of the time while it's awesome to sell foreign rights and it's free money you don't do anything for it no you don't do anything but you know the advances are something are often like twenty five hundred dollars or five thousand dollars and but you know it's they do mount up and once she finally listed out everything that i had made by set by owning the rights myself and then selling them to individual publishers it was a lot more than what I was giving up. No. Yes. Yeah. I, I would be giving up money by accepting this larger deal for world rights. And it, yeah. it really impressed upon me how 
you know, if you do sell the world rights, how much you can make. And I, I'd had two books out by then, but they, I'd sold like Japanese and Hebrew, and the Hebrew book never came out. I don't, at least I never got a copy of it. I've had a number of books where that's happened, which is very funny to me. And I'm like, is there just a weird global money laundering scheme? And it's fine. Yeah. I will take money. I just yeah, exactly. I, just... I did get paid. I just didn't get the Hebrew books, but um, I did get the Japanese books. Those were very, very yeah. beautiful. They're tiny. Yeah, I have They're Chinese tiny books, books and they do um, really well. Like they earned out. And oh wow! It, uh, like again, the Miriam Black books have been one of those things where like they are the gift that keeps on giving for me in terms of um, that that sort of sometimes trickle and sometimes more than a trickle of stuff. To, I'm like, I'm not writing new books, so it just the fact that I continue to see money from these books that I I have written and I'm and done writing uh, is wild to me in the best sort of lesson where it's like, yep, we're just gonna keep that. Keep those rights for my own. Yeah, this is why I, I worry about um, new authors who get big deals and think that they're a pro writer now. And while they are a pro writer, they should not quit a day job because it is when you get years and years and years into your career when, mm -hmm. yeah, a new shiny big advance is great, but regular royalty checks from your backlist is even better. Yes. Yeah, and it's important. It's almost like that, like when you're like that dull, horrible parent who's like, save for retirement. You're, yeah. you feel like you're telling the young writers, you kids today, you need to save for your writing retirement. Yeah. I know you got $500,000. Do you know how fast that's going to go away? <laughs> you need to eat. Put books yeah. in the bank. <laughs> yeah, people still think, I, I think that people still think you just get a check for $500,000 when you make it that deal. Oh, God, boy. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. <laughs> That would be yeah, nice. Yeah, lump sum. Here you go. Go have fun, kid. I'm like, no, no, it's going to be parts of that in various weird, uh, mystical ways. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't even understand. Yeah, exactly. So like, this is a three-year check at at best. Yeah. Um, I'm checking out the chat again. Uh, did I get to select Mark Thompson, or was he imposed on me for the audiobook? I haven't even heard the solo audiobook. I I have no say in anything. So no, I, I didn't they didn't even tell me who was writing who was reading the audiobook. Yeah. Yeah, Mark so. does I think most of them are dead anyway, I don't know if he does now. Yeah. Uh Catwood was late yesterday and today. Feel like you've missed so much. Hugo Nam, pseudo Matt Arg. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And yeah, I didn't I didn't uh uh shit. Words are mm. gone. You talk yep. Chuck. I I'm it's just <laughs> Announce. I didn't announce the fact that Chuck was going to be on the show until like five minutes beforehand, and it's not my usual stream time and like all surprise. sorts of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, thank you for the subscription, the Wendy Bird. I'm sorry I didn't uh, get a chance to thank you for that earlier. But um, it was a fun surprise, though. Good. Thank you. And it's delightful to actually see Chuck. Yes, it's, it's good to actually have you on, because you've been a favorite uh, on the show for many years, it's it's, it's a great you and show. Cameron kind of tie for yeah. most uh, most uh, visits to the show. That's not well, the right word. Well, I think she and I were at least on two of the times. Yes. On, you know, yes. A blast, just a blasty blast. Yes, exactly. I love Cameron, but um, we've been going for a while. Wow, I'm sorry, yeah. Chuck. We've been keeping your sorry. eating your whole afternoon. Um, is there anything you want to? Uh, specifically businessy you want to talk about before we get uh wrap up no i think i'm i mean we covered a lot we yeah, were like we shotgun did. blast 
That's right. I'm going to put the link to Magic Skeleton in the chat again. You can do anything Magic Skeleton. I am not organized enough to make that an affiliate link, so don't avoid it just because you think I don't deserve that $3 I might get if you buy that and something else. But, uh, yeah, that's just a link to the book, and um, that's out yesterday. And, you know, buy from your indie bookstore if you can. If you but, can. Uh, yeah. You could do like I do, which is make your wish list on Amazon because it's where everyone knows to go. And then you open up your wish list when you go to a bookstore and then buy the books there. Yeah, see, there you go. Yep. Um, related story I saw. A new writer got a big, big deal for a novel, but deal included all the rights. A game was made yep. from the story of the novelization of the game. Publisher blocked putting out the original novel in favor of the novelization, and writer ended up with nothing other than the advance. Exactly. Oh, yeah. You mm-hmm. really... You know, a lot of people say you don't need agents anymore because you, you can look up everything or handle everything yourself. It's stuff like this that you need an agent for. It's like they will yeah, know I'm, to look for things. Yeah. They'll know exactly. to look for things that you won't know to look for. Exactly. So, yeah, keep your keep as many rights as you can so you can sell them. So Word. Yeah. Um so I guess that's it. Thank you so much for being our first guest host. Um, Sorry I'm not Matt, but uh, thank you for having me. Well, you know, I, 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 you're the best Chuck, so it's okay. Yeah. But I, like, I'm just personally sorry I'm not Matt. <laughs> well, that's something you're going to have to deal with yourself, dude. It is. I, I've dealt with it my whole life. I woke up one day and I was like, I'm not Matt. Yeah. I just know this, I know this in my soul. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh... Where do people find you online if searching for Chuck Wendig does not do it for them? Uh, yeah, that with terribleminds.com is my blog, and that tends to be the easiest place to sort of find what I'm doing and what I'm up to. Because Twitter, uh, where I also am at Chuck Wendig, is a, a hot mess, and clearly some people get no, none of me, and some people get a weak digest yeah. of me. Uh, I'm also on Instagram, Chuck underscore Wendig. Um, mm. You take some beautiful photographs, dude. I don't even know. Thanks. It's a nice thing that I don't have to do that doesn't pay me any money, really, and I like that. Yeah, that's how I am with violin lessons. I suck, but it's pleasurable because there's absolutely no pressure. (laughs) Exactly. It's a wonderful thing. (laughs) My teacher doesn't even pressure me. It's just... (laughs) Just whatever. Yeah. I, I was I was very st- I, I put a violinist in my new book and I was very stressed out during when I was working on the edits and I just showed up and I'm like I'm really fried I can't play today but I'm gonna interview you because I need to ask you a couple more questions about some stuff I'm putting in the book so I yeah. paid him for my lesson just to talk yeah. to him for half an hour He's paid it's fine so thank you all for hanging out in the chat and talking to us uh hey d quartermain i'm sorry you're late but i hope you enjoy the vod thank you to uh, urban bohemian and the rising tides for the hosts and um thank you chuck i really appreciate you being here you're a good friend i miss you hopefully we can like have a drink together in real life sometime amen, amen. yes you can support us at patreon.com slash mighty Ditch Diggers! Theme song by Devo Spice. DevoSpice.com